for the three points. Manchester City are still alive here. So welcome guys to season two of the Bolt from the Blue podcast and as usual I have my same two guests that we uh, had for most of last season and uh, the first one we have is City Matters committee member and king of the Kipucks writer Colin Savage. Colin how are you doing? Are you are, yeah, you, are yeah. you fired up and waiting or ready for this season? Oh yeah I can't wait. Um, I'm public enemy number one as City Matters committee member <laughs> at the moment City have just City have just announced um, a series of changes to away ticketing, um, which they should have announced before renewal. To be honest, and it was wrong of them um, not to. But um, yeah, I was just funny enough. I was just thinking about this this morning, and, and and just thinking back to last season, and thinking we won the treble, you know, and it kind of still staggers me that we did that. So looking forward to next season or this season, yeah. Some would say the quadruple, but anyway. <laughs> well, uh, three plus one as uh, our, our esteemed chairman. And we also have Ray from Man City Fan Chat. You've been a busy boy, Ray. How are you doing? <laughs> it seems to have got better and better and better. My um, my temperament, my mood, uh, my emotions, I'm, I'm in a much better place um, after having set up this new channel. Got a lot on the go at the moment. Uh, last week, I met somebody for an interview for the women's uh, team. Uh, we're going to do a lot of work on the women's team this season you're going to be playing and, for the women's team Ray <laughs> so some people have commented that you know I'm a well you know girl. it's the I'm, world we live in these days we can all be it, what we know, want. equality equality uh no no we're going to do a lot of uh, video work on the women's team um, so uh, basically a, a fan channel for men for the men's team and the women's team um, we're going to do some of the walking football as well so I'm just lining up an interview for that so whatever happens at City uh, hopefully some of the disability stuff as well I'm just trying to nail someone down to do the academy stuff obviously yeah, there's only so much of me to go around people are, over the summer have been asking me to clone myself because I've got so much, so many projects on the go at once and um, it's great to be really really busy overly busy Um and yeah, so I think it's going to be a fantastic season for the channel with all these uh, projects un- underway. How many subscribers have you got now, uh, Ray? I mean, um, last I looked, it was only um, uh, a few dozen, but you're you're up a good no. bit now, aren't you? We we've been going for less than forty days. We're uh, we've got over seven hundred subscribers, Very which are, um, which is good, especially in the close season. There's nothing going on. A um, lot of people have switched off from football. They're not even bothered about their preseason friendlies. They'll only switch on again just before the. Um, um, 
Community Shield against Liverpool or just after. I think probably just before because obviously it's against Liverpool and people will start getting back into football then. So I'm really pleased with uh, it's incredible. Thousands and thousands of views. And one way we look at, you know, it's just a, a, a gauge as to how well you're doing is how many subscribers have you got? And compare that with how many views you're getting on your videos. If you're getting more views than subscribers, you're doing, I think, really, really well. And even if you're getting up to 50%, so if I'm getting, like, I did a video today, I got 400 views, over 400 views, and I've got 700 subscribers. I think that's a good return. And so it's very, very pleasing. And fingers crossed we carry on the season in the same vein. Well, let's go back to Colin for a minute, Colin, because my interest is peaked a little bit when you mentioned uh, these changes to uh, the away tickets. Can you just uh, give us a, a quick uh, lowdown of what's going on yeah city announced um after we'd had um discussions with them over the course of last season city announced today that they're stopping giving ticket points for away games they're ring fencing a number of tickets specifically for 18 to 25 year olds were struggling to catch up um on the point system and there will be a very limited trial uh, of co- um collector destination so a few people will be asked to collect their tickets at the uh, away ground ticket office uh, over the next season and how's, so how's that gone down what's the response to that how's that been received well it's been um uh, mixed um is is um a fair way to describe it you know a lot of people making a lot of noise about it um some are supportive some see the sense in it some um a very kind of looking after their own interests um you know I, i'm not going to name names but i know a few people who abuse the ticket system personally and i'm sure um other people do um and it's not fair if we have a point system. It's not fair on the people who could potentially get to away games if people were being fair about it and, and not taking tickets they didn't intend to use. So, so that's always been our position that um, the, the club. Uh, and I must make the point that this is the club's um, doing. Not that we haven't made suggestions. I wouldn't try and shy away from taking responsibility. But this is something the club wanted us to take on specifically. And while they're not being, I'm not saying open and honest with us, but the club clearly have a good reason for doing this. And there's good evidence, despite what people on Blue Moon might say, that, that it's not much of a problem, that a significant number of tickets are not being used by the person who bought them. Now, I know there's always circumstances where people have to work or fall ill or for other reasons can't use a ticket at short notice. Don't have any issue with that. But in general, the concept is that people should use, if people buy a ticket, they should use it. One of the problems is the point system has got, and I don't blame people really for it, because the point system has got us to a point where you need to uh, you need to buy have platinum and you need to make sure you get points um, to stay on the ladder to make sure you get you can get tickets for games you do want to go to. Now there's probably about a thousand people who will go to the vast majority of games. I suspect. Um, so, so there's quite a few people who who are more selective about the games. Uh, and it's you know why should you have to go to a game at, uh, in Newcastle or Southampton on a Monday or Tuesday night if just to get the points? Um, so the ticket system is not perfect. We think the changes, obviously, it will maybe affect some people, but we think on the whole, the changes will benefit fans who want to go to away games. And part of that is to make sure that more tickets are available to people a bit lower down the list. 
Okay, Ray, what, what do you think about that? Do you I'll, agree with Colin there? I will counter that uh, because, and, and, I, and I know Colin what Ray's going to say. <laughs> Colin knows my opinions already. Yeah. Um, I'd like the club to put somebody up rather than the club. Every, if you contact the club, they will just say speak to City Matters. I briefly, because I've been running around, I'm in London at the moment, I'm running around doing lots of things. Um, you know, I've done a couple of live streams about from the game today, and it just seems to be, you know, I may have misunderstood this because I've only briefly scanned it that the club was saying, um, city matters. The committee members have had a, a big input, and it's kind of felt it was the city matters. And I, I saw, when I quickly glanced at, it, I thought. Colin's getting it in the neck right now. I know it, and all the other people on the City Matters Committee are getting it in the neck because it felt like the club are pushing it that way. When I've contacted the club in the last year, they've always said, speak to City Matters. You've got this body, go through them. Now, I will say there's certain people, I'm not naming names, who've got a vested interest. And I've been critical, and I've been criticised by a lot of people. You see, I'm trying to help myself. I say, no, I'm trying to look for the fairest system. And the fairest system is stop the abuse of Every single uh, system you've got, you've got the ticket point system. There are plenty of abuses. I've, I've, I've openly got tickets from people who've been abusing the system who are not going to games. They're just getting the, uh, the, the ticket, getting rid of it very quickly. Sometimes, some most of them at face value, some more expensively. Or I know people who are going to away games because they know somebody on corporate who gets a, a ticket for every yeah. away game and he splits it between one person one week or one per, another person the next game. I know people at supporters clubs who are not season card holders who are going to away games. Now, maybe not a lot of away games, but away games that somebody who's a season card holder might have 10,000 points. Blatantly not fair. There's lots of things. And I've, I've said, like yeah, Colin yeah. said, the club should have announced the changes right. before the season cards were renewed. Uh, most definitely. The club should be more open and transparent transparent and actually be honest and which they won't be as to how many tickets allocated to each category they give us a number up front i'll give you an example i think it was a newport fa cup game last season supporters clubs knew how many tickets they were getting two or three weeks before the game uh, the ticket points people they could start applying on the I think it was the Monday for a game on the Saturday okay how can you if you're giving whatever it is 60% of the tickets to the ticket points system how could you not release them at the same time as a supporters club if you're giving fragments like 20% of all the tickets to supporters clubs you can do it at the same time but City left it until five days before the game and one or two days before the game suddenly a load of tickets appeared that's not right and there's people in Manchester who couldn't go to the games who wanted to go because there were no tickets available and suddenly there's tickets available touts openly walking around with tickets for the away end that cannot be right and my final point my end of my little rant but um, the club will get a bit more from me than, than this little rant the 18 to 25 year old category I, I've always questioned why there is a need to single out one particular group just with the argument that they can't catch up on the points there's a lot of people ever since especially with platinum who can never catch up on the points and they're not 18 to 25 there might be someone 30 35 years old and I'm not saying this for my benefit you know, I'm over 50 I've got about 11,000 points I've lived abroad for, for many years I didn't go to a lot of games each season and, and you know scare, the lack of um, points but I can still go to plenty of away games every season based upon my points and I don't personally see the need to uh, withhold I, I was told it was 5% of the tickets for this category if this the club can produce evidence actual proper evidence that this category are missing out I, and I'll go back to a game at Swansea uh, last season where I went, looked at the crowd. I w looked, you know, on, on the concourse and, and in, this, in the stadium. I walked um, to my seat and back, for, back and forth a couple of times and I looked at at least 500 people 
unscientific, but I would say there's at least 100 18 to 25 year olds, or at least under 25 year olds, at my guess, at least 100. So 20% of my sample population, unscientific, I admit, were in that category, very well represented. A lot of the, I will suggest, are benefiting them for argument's sake, their father, that one of their parents or grandparents has been going for a long time, has got the, and they just give them the ticket. I know this goes on. It's passed around families. So many are going. And I, I very cheekily said, and, and I'm not promoting this. I don't want people to get this the wrong way. But if you're going to be more, if you want to reflect the fans better, instead of, if you're going to put 5% of the tickets from an 18 to 25-year-old category, I looked around that crowd, yeah? 500, at least 500 faces I saw. I saw a maximum of four black and Asian people in that crowd. There are very, very few black and Asian people who go to games. Now, I'm not going to turn around and say we should have 5% of the tickets held back for black and Asian uh, season card holders because I think I don't think that's right. Where I'm sure I counted at least 100 people out of 500. I mean, you have four black and Asian people at games. And at, on, the, on the bus I went to, two of them were on that bus. So you look around, there are very few of them. They're underrepresented. And when will the club turn around and say, they're underrepresented, we'll keep 5% or 10% back for them? I say that's wrong. It's just as wrong as keeping 5% back for 18 to 25 year olds who are overrepresented. And looking on various forums, people say most of the trouble at games, most of the trouble at games is not caused by guys in the 60s and 70s. It's caused by uh, people under 25 years old. End of run. I kind of, I, I'm not going to argue with Ryan. Let, let's end it here. But I take exception to that last bit. I, I, I know. I've, you know, I've been at games. I was at um, Wembley for the Carabao Cup final, and I was sat apart from my family. I think I got my, must have got my ticket on my own rather than with them. And uh, there was a seat either side of me, and about six lads came along. I, I think they're over 25 anyway, but six lads came along and tried to fit in those two seats. And unfortunately, they were okay. They weren't too aggressive. But um, you know that could have turned out quite nasty. But the the worst incident I've seen at an away game involved middle-aged men who were drunk and abusing, uh, re- giving out racist abuse on the train back. So, um, you know, there's this impression that all the troubles caused by young kids. I wouldn't say all of honest, it, but it's not. from the games I've been to, the majority of the um, all the boisterous behaviour, gents, in my opinion, anyway, from what I've seen, has been from uh, the younger. And look, I went to the Carabao Cup game, uh, Cup final, and the one fight I saw involved a middle-aged man, uh, a group who just attacked uh, other fans um, at a fight. The police got involved. I think they got off with it in the end, but for absolutely no reason. And this was a guy probably in his forties or fifties. So I'm not saying older people don't cause trouble; uh, they certainly do. But it's just my observations from going to about a dozen away games last season, where I saw some. Of the, the people ready to have a fight with the with the younger ones, and the the most racist uh, abuse I. A game was at Swansea again. It was vile racist abuse uh, against one of our own players. That was from a, a guy probably in his thirties. So you know, it's you're right, Colin. It's not just it's not yeah, just it's not just that, I wasn't having a go at you, but yeah. you know I've seen it across the spectrum. And, and one of the things, interesting, a couple of things before we finish this. Um, I've been in touch with the other top six clubs about away tickets recently, and um, the guys at United they have a ballot. Uh, and they, up to last season, they uh, had a collective destination at pretty well all games. And for a few hundred people, so two to three hundred people, they relaxed that this se- uh, last season. But of the first 75 tickets they checked, 71 of those had been touted in some way. Mm. So all yeah. but four were being used by a person other than the person who bought them. 
So, so that that that's a kind of. I'm not. I'm not saying the same necessarily applies to city, but I, I won't go into it here. I've seen instances um, of people um, passing on tickets uh, in significant numbers. Uh, the, the other thing is one of the things we've learned from city's history. And I've talked talk to Gary James about this. Is um, there's been a couple of times in our history where. We've made things easier for our younger fans. So one was um, when we were at Hyde Road in the in the early 1900s, 1910s, where they set up a what they call a boys' enclosure. I think it was under under 16s were allowed in there, and that that boys' enclosure got in fans who supported us for the next 20, 30 years. Similarly, similarly in the 19 um, when we set it up, 1970s, 1980s, it was the Junior Blues. And in a time when we needed one of the reasons we had big support in the 1990s, when uh, 80s, 90s, when things weren't so good, is probably because of the junior blues. We got kids in, we got them hooked, and they came to watch us. So uh, we actually have been talking to the club uh, about a number of ways in which we can encourage younger fans to take over from um, our older demographic, because uh, it will take a long time to build up our supporter base. Um, most of the supporters we have have been with us for many years. Uh, and it's that famous loyalty of the City fans that, that you know, it was one of the selling points of the club, really, as far as Sheikh Mansour uh, and Abu Dhabi were concerned. So um, we're, we're quite keen that the club think a bit more strategically about how we manage that generation gap, and well, particularly when prices are very high. Well, I think I think that, that's, a, that's a, a good point, just <laughs> to conclude that for the moment. But there was a game today, the pre-season... Really? friendly in the Asia Cup Manchester City 4 West Ham 1 we are through to another final slightly uh, slightly <laughs> easier that, this one again. The, the quintuple then if uh, we win it <laughs> it could well be and that's going to be uh, against uh, Wolves who I think uh, beat Newcastle 4-0 in their game this is going to be uh, Saturday at 12.30 uh, BST the, 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 the lineup for today was uh, quite interesting certainly in the first half I'm just going to go through the lineup so we started off with um, Bravo and Goal. We had uh, Danilo Angelino on, on either side at the back. We had uh, Laporte and uh, youngster Taylor Harwood-Bellis. We had our first look at Rodri. David Silva was the captain. We had, uh, of course, the, the, the young kid with the great DNA uh, of uh, Glenn Pardo and Mike Doyle. That's Tommy Doyle in there. Adria Benarbe, who obviously we nicked from uh, Barcelona. They weren't too happy about that at the time. Um, they were equally unhappy when we nicked Eric Garcia. We also had the guy that I'm going to refer to from now on as IPO. That's Ian Povedo Ocampo. Easier to say IPO, really. And uh, we also had uh, Lucas Nemecha, who uh, by all accounts is the slightly less talented of the Nemecha brothers. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was a very, very interesting uh, first half array. West Ham were very lively. They had a very lively uh, right back uh, attacking right back in Fred Rickson. Uh, they had uh, good uh, energetic performances uh, pre-season by Lanzini and particularly Felipe Anderson. How did you feel about that uh, that uh, first half, uh, Ray? What did you think? Well, I thought about the, the lineup, Mike. Uh, I, I liked the fact that in some, some areas we were pairing a 
very experienced quality player with a youngster. So we had Emery Laporte with, was it 17-year-old Taylor Howard Bellis? Yeah. Um, so I, I like that. And we had a 17, I think 17-year-old Tommy Doyle with the majestic David Silva. Um, and I thought that, that was great. And then we had three kids up front, which, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was a chance for them to play their hearts out because even though it was a friendly, plenty of those young kids wanted to shine. They wanted to show Pep what they could do because there's always that possibility that one of them could squeeze it uh, into the um, into Pep's thinking as part of the first team squad training at least you know um, the same way Phil Forden came through a couple of years ago and Brahim and they were you know uh, training with the first team squad so there's a few players there uh, I think Taylor Howard Bellis has been mentioned whether it's a rumour or Pep's actually said it the feeling is that that uh, the company centre-back slot can be uh, picked up by Eric Garcia Fernandinho maybe the odd game from Taylor Howard Bellis is um, kind of you know I, I, it's kind of music to my ears to see the youngsters getting those opportunities and and watching the, the first half especially um, obviously Angelina had a tough time torrid time I've written in my notes against uh, Fredericks uh, who just basically was too tricky and too quick for him giving away that penalty and should have given away two penalties he was just um, I wouldn't say all over the place but defensively he was struggling but going forward he was he was decent and I think there was a break in play when they had because uh, of the humidity and the heat and everything else they were having a, a water break or a drinks break and Pep came to talk to Angelino and he wasn't talking to him about the mistake he'd made defensively he was talking about being more creative um, and another thing that I got from that I think when I looked at some stats we had 55% ball possession now last season we had 65% ball possession and in some games we'd have 70-75% and that puts le- I feel less pressure on our defence um, you've got people like Fredericks um, and if, if we were playing West Ham in a, in a normal game in the season we'd have had let's say 70% of the ball He his job would actually be to defend not attack uh, and I think that put extra pressure on Angelino and in, in a normal season uh, league game let's say he wouldn't have been bombing up and down the way he was he'd have been more conservative so you know there were some fans afterwards who were critical of some of the players uh, and I'd say look we started with six kids we started with six kids it's not going to be perfect they're all going to learn from this experience and it's better for them to learn now than in a month's time if they're thrown in at the deep end because we need them so um, I think the first half you could you could argue that West Ham may have shaded it and we were lucky to get the uh, to, to go in at half time ahead uh, but I think uh, for the for the team that started the game I think we did alright yeah that was um, uh, a little bit unfortunate to uh, for Angelino, he um, he got uh, skinned a little bit, ended up on his backside and, and handled the ball, gave away a penalty, converted uh, pretty emphatically by uh, Mark Noble. Um, we did uh, draw level, and I think that was this was the this was the great pass from uh, Bernabe to yeah. David Silva, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that's right. Colin. That was the yeah, that was the first. Yeah, yeah, that was fabulous. Um, I say uh, Bernabe's come out La Masia, so one of the you know Barcelona graduates. Um, and um, that pass to David Silva was absolutely wonderful. Uh, what was even better was the way David Silva, who, who sometimes seems to panic a little bit, and I've said this before, when he gets a sight of goal, but um, the way he took it down and the way he scored from that tight angle was, uh, it could have been Sergio Aguero. So, if you know, if that's the sort of goal that um, David's going to be scoring this season, then uh, what, a, what a final season it's going to be for him. Uh, it was an absolutely fabulous uh, cross-field pass by Bernabe. A uh, great promise for the future. Yeah, weight was perfect. It was oh. Oh, yeah. Played into the perfect position, mm. and I think I think actually um, it was uh, Nemecha who uh, put us two one up. As isn't that right, uh, Ray? Uh, did, yeah, well, that that penalty incident bit dodgy, huh? 
it was uh, it was soft. It was for me not a penalty. You know, the defender puts his arm out uh, in front of Nemecha. Nemecha sees it and just um, you know he just does a belly flop, just flops down, falls down. It was um, in my notes. Sal- it was a Mo Salah penalty. A Mo Salah, yeah, a chicken tikka Mo Salah. That's what I had tonight <laughs> for, for for dinner. Um, but yeah, he was he. You know, I mean, if that had been R- Rivaldo or Neymar, we'd be you know still criticizing him now. And I don't think Nemecha should be exempt from criticism because uh, let's be honest it was a dive uh, I, I don't like to see that uh, and you know yes he scored an emphatic penalty sent the keeper uh, the wrong way and he put it in the corner and it was nicely taken goal but please you know we, we, we're too good a team to have to resort to such tactics I, I wouldn't I'd slightly argue with the description of, of a dive but I think as the commentator say he made the most of the contact yes <laughs> class a dive as an attempt to deceive you know uh, when there's no contact I mean the guy definitely put his arm out but we've seen those given so many times I, I agree with Ray it doesn't make it right well I, do you know what I would prefer uh, something that Sergio Aguero did I think a few seasons ago might have been against Norwich or some, someone like that and the defender did whatever uh, blocked him or, or something and instead of falling on the floor he just turned around lifted his arms up at the ref and the ref kind of felt obliged to give the penalty because he knew you know it, it should you know, he was bumped off or whatever it was and if Nemecha I don't know I mean maybe the ref wouldn't have given it and I don't think it was enough to give a penalty but it certainly wasn't enough to make him fall the way he did um, mm. and, but you know if the refs I think it's up to the refs as well give the penalties you know, don't let things go like Parson did <laughs> later on and when, when when they're blatant penalties don't just let them go if it's a penalty give it don't just say well I've just given a penalty 10 minutes ago I'm not going to give another one if it's a penalty give it and we got lucky with uh, Angelino again with a foul I think on Fredericks, they should have been. They could have been two 0 up before we'd even, you know, uh, got ourselves on the score sheet. So the refs have to give the penalties more often than not, rather than look for a way out. And I think some of them do. They just look for any opportunity not to give a penalty. I'm just going to go through a few guys that uh, really impressed me, guys, and you can uh, give your comments uh, just after I've run through them. Uh, Bravo, I thought was uh, excellent the whole game. We'll get into the second half. He was very sharp. He's off his line very, very quickly. Sporting a lovely big hipster beard that actually quite suits him. He's a man uh, reborn. He obviously had that very difficult Achilles tendon injury. He looks to be uh, to back to a reasonable level of fitness. Danilo uh, quite uh, quiet. Uh, not really, as he always uh, does, not, uh, you know, obviously stunning, but uh, not really putting too many feet wrong. Laporte, again, his usual calm and composed self. Quite impressed with him. Uh, Harwood Bellis. Now, there's a chap that looks very very composed and uh, as uh, Ray uh, mentioned earlier on he could come into the reckoning in the next year or two um, Rodri obviously everyone's very excited about him he was um, well I think the best that can be said is that he's um, he, he basically uh, wasn't particularly prominent but that's not always a bad thing um, he's uh, you know he was uh, just recycling the ball there and not uh, doing anything too uh, spectacular it's his first game of course and it was pretty uh, humid uh, and hot out there so uh, of course we've mentioned David Silva and Bernard Bay uh, Tommy Doyle one or two little ricks uh, there but um, uh, definitely one for the future uh, uh, maybe slight uh, issues with uh, positioning and uh, perhaps one or two weak passes 
Povedo Ocampo. That's a guy that uh, showed some little uh, nice pieces of uh, skill to release himself from his man. But again, a little bit wayward in front of of, of goal. Um, th- that was my sort of impression uh, as we were going into the second half. Any points there to pick up on, guys? Uh, no, I um, I didn't watch the first half. I only saw the highlights. But the, um, the second half, when we we more or less had a first team out, um, I thought we looked very, 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 very slick. Maybe a little bit rusty in some areas, but some of the passing was um, as good as I've seen. Um, you know, uh, last season, uh, some of the attempted passes were uh, would have been phenomenal if they'd come off. Uh, and certainly the um, Sterling second goal was was came as a result on pressure being put on the West Ham back line. It gave up the ball and then we moved it. Three passes. Kevin De Bruyne won the ball. De Bruyne to Sane, Sane to De Bruyne, De Bruyne to Sterling, bang, back of the net. And um, it looked so slick and it looked like they'd never been away. But, but obviously we can never read too much into these pre-season games. It's certainly not the first one because obviously they played at a completely different tempo to um, a, a normal Premier League game. But yeah, everything looked slick to me and I heard I only heard good reports about the youngsters. So... Uh, yeah, it's a good start. You know what? I mean, I made some notes from the first half. I think um, Tommy Doyle. I think he had some nice touches, some nice movement. Um, he seems to be, you know, looking around before he gets the ball to see what's on. Um, uh, that's all. That's all, uh, only a good thing. Some of, the, I think, some of his mistakes were simply because he's not used to playing, obviously, at this level and with this level of uh, teammate, and he's just not used to the system. There was one moment where. He was in midfield and the ball was passed from defence. And I think Doyle wasn't expecting it because he thought, well, three three yards behind me, there's a, a West Ham player. So I'm not going to get this ball. But the ball was played to him. And the, with the idea that he just bounces it back, that the, the West Ham player goes with him uh, because he has to. And Doyle could just bounce it back to the defender. And Doyle wasn't expecting it. And he um, he kind of stumbled and gave him a very weak pass that went about three yards instead of 15. So the mistakes he's making, are the mistakes you'd expect a youngster to make, playing in a new system or you can argue we have the similar DNA running through the, uh, all levels of the club but he's playing at a higher level a faster pace and maybe he just wasn't expecting some of the passes that he was given and and maybe he also wasn't expecting some of the uh, level of opposition because you've got to remember Tommy's been playing with uh, under 18s or at the, with the EDS he's not been playing against people like Antonio or um, you know some of the Lanzini or Chikorito or something like that so he's not been playing so where he, whereas maybe before with the kids he's got a little bit more time to turn and, and ghost past people here he hasn't um, but I don't look at that as a negative thing I think it's very positive because I think he'll learn very quickly That's that was my feeling from watching him he'll learn very quickly from uh, what he needs to do and if he carries on playing uh, with this level of teammate then he'll make those Im- improvements N- Nemecha another one that I want to quickly mention he needs to make that ball stick he needs to get that I don't. I mean, my personal opinion. I, I said this probably a season ago. Uh, Lucas went out on loan to Preston. He didn't pull up any trees. Sadly, I don't think he's got a future at City. Uh, just that's just my personal opinion right now. But it, it, wherever he wants to go, you, if you're leading the line, you've got to make that ball stick. I think better than it was sticking to his his foot. That uh, young uh, Harwood Bellis uh, Ray put you in mind of a young John Terry. He's a bit of a unit, isn't he? He's a he's a solid guy, and and I, I like the fact yeah. that he stayed on for so much of the game. You know, it was a bit hard in the second half to see with all the substitutions. Who you know, you, you're relying on the either the commentators or the camera to pick up on everybody that's going on and off. And it's like I, have, I mean, I looked at the City app at half time. 
um, because I wanted to know who had come on because obviously you're watching it on the telly and um, they, if they don't tell you who's come on because they're talking and going to adverts, of course, and they might not tell you who's come on. And so I looked at the City app. I knew four players were coming on. And I wanted to see who'd come off and the City app only had three. <laughs> it had, it had three players coming off. I knew which four were going on, but I didn't know which four were coming off. And even they weren't up to date. So it was a, it was a struggle. And I, I think he played, the, I guess he played the full game. But it was good to get him playing with Laporte in the first half and with Stones in the second half. I, you know, and, and the fact that he stayed on so long, I think that Oli Org as well, uh, the fact he's played with two of our senior uh, centre-backs, uh, you could argue we didn't have much of a choice with Otamendi not being there. But still, I think it's good for him to get that time, show what he can do. And for me, he, you know, he, he looked pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. In that second half, of course, all the big boys came on. We had Raheem come on, Leroy Sane, Kevin De Bruyne, John Stones, a newly shorn Kyle Walker. And uh, we also, uh, just going back to Leroy, he looks a bit more streamlined, Colin, with his uh, his, his cornrows. That, that, uh, that uh, story about him going to Bayern Munich must be pretty much dead by now, surely, wouldn't you think? Well, he, he poured a little bit of um, petrol on the fire uh, <laughs> by his response to a, his we'll see or wait and see response to a, a question about that. Um, I'd like to think it, it's dead. I'd like to think they're talking about a new contract. I'd like to think it's a bit of brinkmanship, maybe, to get him a slightly better deal. Um because Pep's is saying um, he is staying, and you know we we don't fortunately we don't have a record of selling our better players. Oh. And I think City. I know people criticise um, Chiki Bagiristan for some of the fees we get for uh, players who leave us, but you know we've never had a really big player leave us. I mean, still isn't it? Isn't Sean Wright? Phil- oh no, um, um, Inacho I think is the biggest fee now we've had billion. for an outgoing player, and he was the biggest. And that's what twenty five million. And that was the biggest one since Sean Wright Phillips. 2000 and was it five six mm-hmm. so um you know we do have a record of being able to hang on to our uh, better players if we want to and yeah. um, it looks like a bit of a standoff between uh cheeky and, and the team and, and leroy's mama who's obviously well, um that, uh, arguing for a bit more cash i think for me it, i mean after the was it after the game in the press conference i think pep said i'm just trying to remember what he said he said basically the club have offered leroy the contracts he's been on the table for a long time obviously he hasn't signed it and and he said, you know, we know what his potential is. You know, we know what he can be. And we want him to be that player at City. But he said at the end of the day, it's his, it's his, it's his choice. It's, it, you know, he knows what he's got to do. And it didn't, for me, he didn't slam the door shut on Bayern, which is what we're waiting. And I think that will only happen if Leroy signs the contract. That's what we're all waiting for. And it might be the same similar brinkmanship that Sterling had for the for about six months, you know. And he wouldn't sign, he wouldn't sign. He said, end of the season, I'll, end of the season, I'll talk, I'll talk. And... I think in, uh, at the end of it, he got a bit more money, uh, which is what, what him and his agent wanted. And it could just be very well, very well be the same with Sane. The rumours are that he's going to get a contract at 200000 a week. I just want him to stay. You know, he showed in, in bursts in that game why he's an exciting talent. You know, at 23 years old, he's got so many years of top quality football ahead of him. So many more years to develop under Pep. That's why he has, for me, he has to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, um, just before we move on, um, any final thoughts about this particular game and perhaps Ray for the people
people that don't know, after the final against Wolves, I, I say final in quotation <laughs> in quotation marks, uh, what are the other games that City are playing on this tour? Well, we're going over to Hong Kong. It's not um, too far away, I'm guessing. Um, and we're playing against Kitchi, who were the champions in Hong Kong. I think we're playing at the Hong Kong Stadium. And uh, I did put out a, a retweeted a video that was sent by the Hong Kong Blues. And they're, um, and they're, they're doing some, uh, hopefully some work with me uh, on that game. And they just said, right now, we just haven't even got time to talk. We're just so busy preparing stuff for that. It's a huge thing. It's a huge deal for Hong Kong uh, and, and for the, these fans to, to, uh, to be able to go and watch them play. And then we're going over to Japan. We've got to Yokohama Mariners, who are um, a club we have an investment with. And, you know, obviously the, this tour is... Um, is a publicity stroke marketing tour um, for the Far East, especially obviously China. Um, you know, we've got um, was it CMC who own 13% of the City Football Group, uh, which they paid, I can't remember now, Colin will probably remember, over £200 million for a few back in, was it 2015? And and we bought a, um, a Chinese club, which I'm sure Mike will tell us the name. <laughs> I'm not going to chance my arm with that pronunciation. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got the Chinese club. There's rumours that we're looking at a club in Thailand, in Malaysia. There's lots of rumours knocking about. I'm sure we're going to get the club in India soon. Um, so, you know, the, the everything is geared to China and Japan this time around. Uh, we've done America, was it twice uh, recently in China? Uh, I think back in 2015 as well. Um, so, yeah, those are the two games. Um, you know, and the fans, you can see this, they are excited uh, about having you know, some of our top players there. You know, and we've, uh, Colin, I think Colin said in the second half, we had the top players. I, and actually, you look at that, the players who are on, the, most of the players who are on that pitch in the second half, you'd expect it to be seven and rated them to, to start um, at the beginning of the season at least the first league and we had Walker on we had Zinchenko on we had um, Stones was there Gundogan was playing you had KDB uh, Sane Sterling um, you know Bernardo, a lot of top players, and we just kind of changed gears. You know, West Ham. I think West Ham will do reasonably well this season, um, and, and push United uh, for that eighth spot. I think they'll push United hard for eighth spot. Um, I think Norwich will be pushing United, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's about fifteenth. But for the I, remaining, I think, uh, yeah, ju- just that... one thing before we kind yeah. of close that one. Well, I, I noticed a picture on social media from someone who I follow was at the game, and there were a lot of City shirts in that crowd, and it was yeah. really good to see. Uh, and apparently we've just opened a third office in China. So we've now got three yeah. um, offices in China alone, um, which is, um, you know, quite something, isn't it, really? I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, the guy who's doing some filming for, for, our, uh, from, uh, for our channel uh, today, he said uh, you know, they're selling shirts outside the stadium. Um, <laughs> you know, pass, pass them around. But it was interesting. I was going to say it's interesting. Obviously, we, we had a problem with them flying out there and uh, everybody's giving it Thomas Cook in the neck over this because the chartered plane could not go. That was the problem that apparently the charter plane could not fly to China. They would not allow it into the airspace. I don't know why. And apparently, uh, you, you may have heard more about this than me, Colin, that they had to fly to Abu Dhabi and take a non-chartered flight uh, to get out there. And uh, if you, I'm going to quickly mention the City um, uh, City for TV app, uh, or for app, you know, for um, Apple TV or with Fire Sticks or for smart TVs. And a lot of people have been complaining about that. They, they've not been able to get it to work properly, or things have dropped. And it was, you know, there's not. A, good links to it and you know if you've not got apple tv or a smart tv you can't get access to this and and i just said you know maybe they should have asked thomas cook to to launch that uh, application because they cocked up on the flight they might as well get the blame for this as well but it's a shame and it's a shame i, I think fans and you know not overly enamored by the support um, by the uh, club shop supporter services the website and, and some of these things and i 
I think it's, I mean, you know, dare I say, it's embarrassing for the club for some of the things that are going on, you know, not to have be able to fly for two days, to have things go wrong with the City for TV app and have fans unhappy. Maybe it's just a, a small number of vocal people who are, who are unhappy, but it just seems more than just a few. Just a quick shout out for uh, Bolt from the Blues' latest uh, follower on Twitter. This is a young lady called Sungazer at Senorita oh, yes. Sungaze. She put up a <laughs> lovely photograph today of her and her dad uh, watching the game. She actually um, tweeted that uh, her uh, that her dad was actually wearing one of her shirts, uh, her, one of her early Man City shirts, and it still fitted him with some room. <laughs> so he's uh, he's obviously doing uh, pretty good uh, health wise. But uh, guys, uh, as we look uh, forward, um, we're just going to ask uh, Colin, what about the state of the squad? Now we have uh, strenuously uh, avoided uh, involving you in any uh, conversations about uh, got transfer rumor gossips. And I'll only talk about them when the ink's dry on the contract and they're well, holding the shit up. <laughs> well, how do you feel about the state of the squad at the moment, well, uh, Colin? I'm just looking at it, actually. And, um, you know, um, there wasn't much we ne- needed to do, particularly. I mean, you, you can't... As things stand with with um, Rodrigo coming in, we've now got our full quota. I'm just checking my list to make sure I've not made any boo-boos, but we've now got our full quota of 17 foreign players. So um, if anyone... We have a space. Um, we've only got three associated association trained players now. Delph has gone to Everton, and I'm sure we all wish him well. Um, so if anyone else is coming in, then um, someone needs to go out. And uh, people like um, we're looking at people like perhaps Danilo and Otamendi potentially. And that's one of the reasons I think that um, Aaron Murich had to go on loan because he was occupying a foreign spot in the squad. He um, he's not quite he's not he won't be club trained until next season now guys that is the end of part one of this podcast in order not to give you too much to listen to in in all in one shot but uh, stand by for part two it's coming soon it's finished at Sunderland Manchester United have done all they can that really goes in the first two points Manchester City is still alive here